Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, She-Hulk. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about She-Hulk Episode 7, The Retreat, which is live on Disney Plus right Uh-oh. now. Uh-oh. We got some applause from Peter J. LePage. I think he's a fan. Maybe well, the uh, best episode yet. Come on. This was straight fire from start to finish. Well, hold on. If people haven't checked it out, brief rid of recap here, or if you have checked it out and just don't remember what happened because you uh, were very tired when you were watching it this morning. Or if the show made you tired from watching it. Any of those possibilities. She-Hulk has uh, gone out on a date with Josh, the guy that she met at the wedding. Seemed to be having a nice time, but just as he ghosts her, she is called in to check out what's going on with Emil Blonsky, the abomination who is up at his retreat, hence the title. Turns out he has a support group for recovering supervillains that he's working with. And by the end of the episode, as you'd imagine, they end up helping Jen with her romantic problems as well, with a little twist that Josh seems to be working for the big bad of the series, the Hulk King himself. Whoever that may be, I guess we'll delve into the very yeah, mysterious it could identity. Be anybody. It could be yeah. anybody out there. Absolutely. But as we always have been doing, and I think, Pete, you've been off for the past couple of episodes. Well, yeah, I've been on vacation. Episode, I guess. We, we like to start off with a little bit of a She-Hulk heat check. See how everybody's doing, how they're feeling about the series, because we've had some wildly varying opinions on all this wow. all over the place. But Pete, it seems like you like this one. So why don't we start with the positive and talk about that first? Yeah, I guess of the three of us, I'm the least dead inside. So, I mean, that probably explains well, why we I'm know having so much fun. We know that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do a dead a host dead check right after this. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, set myself up for that one. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm having a blast. Uh, I think that it's um it's it's a weird show you know you don't know what you're gonna get from episode to episode and uh i feel like this was a really fun one we got to see some b-list characters got a hilarious backstory i really appreciated what was happening this is uh since uh, i think i could be wrong about this but maybe let's move from most positive to most negative this is the second week in a row that i felt like i could totally tolerate this show and I know that's very much faint praise, but I was like, sure, fine, it. at least we're focusing on something. I don't love a lot of these jokes. I haven't, I was telling you, Justin, before we got on, I was trying to recall how many times I've laughed at the show, and I think so far laughed out loud once, maybe chuckled twice, if I would Maybe a chuckle. Maybe wow. a chuckle. Who so, are you? That's how I judge a comedy. I know there's been some discussion in our Patreon Slack about whether this is a comedy or not, which I don't think is a very good sign for something that is literally categorized as a comedy. Uh, but well, I think just I would in argue terms that of a like, comedy that fails to make you laugh 
You can't just not call it a comedy. You can't be like, no, it's a drama. It's like, no, that's not how it's But I will say this episode was written by Zeb Wells. We've been really enjoying a lot of his comic book work. He's been killing it on Amazing Spider-Man right now in particular. You might also know him. He's done a ton of writing on Robot Chicken and related shows there. And I, I got the feeling, at least, this was giving me what I've kind of wanted from the show all along in terms of balancing... Somewhat. Jen, her romantic life being She-Hulk, bringing in supervillains and really doubling down on that as uh, a metaphor for stuff and working in the superhero world. Uh, Justin, you and I talked about this a little bit at the wedding, how frustrated I was in the last episode. Uh, At the wedding we went to. Yes, we got married. Uh, Did we mention that? Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, Wait a second. I'm already married, Jedi married to Justin, and now yes. you guys are, wow. wow. Marvel this is trying new things. Wow. Yeah, Marvelous wow. is married. You miss one up, and yep. you know, people just Anyway, run in the out wedding, the last episode, it didn't really play the superhero card at all very purposely, which I found frustrating. Here, at least, they were leading into that. And I do go, again, that's fade praise, but try to grasp on to whatever I can like about this show. There's a lot of things I did not like about this episode, but I'll turn it over to Justin for probably the most negative take. No, actually, I'm going to go the other way. I thought this one, um, from a structural standpoint, worked better uh, than so many of the episodes. Like, I felt like it was it was making sense. There was a logical progression of things here. Um, and I agree with you. It I was just, fun. They it was fun. fun. Yeah. It was fun. Um, there were some like details I could get behind, like seeing um, Miss Piggy uh, open the, oh, uh, yeah. the bars open, Jen watching it while she was waiting for her text to come through from Josh. Um, so then there were some sort of comedic premises that I think I was like, yes, waiting for the text. I great. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and some of the and the the focus group stuff at the end. It's still not funny. It's still not funny to me. Like I want the jokes to work, and they're just not there and i don't know why the the part where he was like josh has insulted the whole group we ride tonight you didn't think that was hilarious yeah that that was fun but like it's it doesn't rise like it doesn't have that sort of comedic confidence that i want to yeah so uh, let me let's talk about this because i think one of my issues with the episode, and it kind of skirted here, I don't think it went totally in the negative direction, but playing the joke of like, these are super villains, but they're actually sensitive men. I was like, I get it. I've seen this a million times yeah, in sketch sure. comedy shows and improv scenes. But the perfectly stacked chairs bit. And like, like, I think that I think what maybe Alex and I can agree here. Like, I agree there are there even are jokes here. It's just they're what in the comedy business uh, called clams. They're jokes that are uh, like you've heard before. You know this joke. You know this premise. So it doesn't get you. Uh, and I think this show and this episode specifically, it's starting to come into focus. The structures there, the the you know comedic uh, sensibility is there. It's just the jokes they're choosing to go with. Are the A jokes, like as in A to C, I want the C jokes. I want the jokes that are original, a little bit of a stretch of the brain and aren't so clammy. Yeah. Well, I, you know, uh, sometimes when you have a nice clam chowder or something, it's, it's enjoyable. So, like, to see a show that's trying to figure out who it is, like, make some jokes and, like, having, yeah, maybe it's kind of like the sensitive man group is, uh, you know, overplayed or what you've seen it a bunch, but the, when, you know, she's like, I'm hurting for a yurt and, you know, it's like, Oh, we're having fun with it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. 
these characters are banging into each other and it's like I, I don't know to see them all get behind Jen and kind of like have a, a kind of like an honest moment where she kind of like you know got to grow a little bit and then in but oppositely shrunk I thought was a cool kind of thing for the character and, and a show that maybe is all over the place to kind of have this you think like abomination always oh, doing some shady like whatever and maybe it's Maybe is, but it just for now, it's like uh, I think the tension of like what's going to happen and it, it just be a stupid over the top man circle thing. I thought uh, was kind of silly and fun. Well, just to back that up a little bit, I'll shout out my two favorite moments of the episode, two moments that really did work for me. One, Pete, you just mentioned. Tati Maslany, beyond being just a very funny actress, is also a really good dramatic actress. That's yeah, why right. she won an Emmy. And you're absolutely right. I think that moment where she switched from She-Hulk to Jen hit exactly the right emotion. Yeah, beat. agreed. That I was, thought the emotionality of the show was this episode was great. Yeah, and I thought maybe that was the best emotional beat they've had in seven episodes. It really, I was thinking about a lot of what you've been talking about, Justin, in terms of what is this conflict that we're setting up between She-Hulk and Jen? What is the emotional crux there? And they got to it here. And I, yeah. I know you don't have to get to it necessarily immediately in the first episode, but I do think that's been lacking there, that specificity of what's been going on. Maybe they held it to the seventh episode to hit this moment. Maybe this is what they're building to, um, but whatever it is, they hit that. The other thing from a comedic perspective that I think worked to me, and I do think was a more heightened level of joke that again, what you're talking about, Justin here in terms of like taking it beyond what you'd expect is when Jen is driving up to the retreat and they're playing it like a horror movie with the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, text coming in. And I don't remember what the exact test is, but like sometime later, two hours later, mm-hmm. and they just keep coming back to her. Uh, that was very fun. And I think that was paced out correctly. That gets to my essential problem that I think I mentioned with the first episode. The main thing I don't think is working is the direction and the music. Because the direction what? and the music... Hold on. Because the direction and music are paced for a Marvel movie. They're not paced for a comedy show. What that sequence did successfully is it played against the idea of a Marvel show to have these smash cuts to her doing very banal things with the horror movie tone over it. And that emphasized the idea here of Jen's dating life is this horror movie that she's dealing with, which it is a horrible feeling to have this guy not text you back. That Uh. is the only thing that's consuming her thoughts versus frankly, the beginning dating sequence too slow. Like it wait. was not paced up at all. It was not fun. Wait, wait, wait. It was wait, paced wait. like a Marvel movie and that just didn't work. Okay, let me deal with one bombshell that you dropped at a time here. First off, these <laughs> montages to music, the music choices that they're making for these like mini montages within an episode instead of it dragging off like this guy's evil Josh anyway. We don't need him, so let's just montage it. You know what I mean? So, like, give us the highlights. We're watching the door a lot. Fun choices. The musical undertone is great. And then, like, the music choices they're making along the episode, the driving montage, her losing her mind, you know, just the cell kind of montage music, walk around looking for a signal. I enjoyed the fact that they were kind of like, okay, you know what's going on. We're just going to kind of like fast forward this in a fun way. 
Well, I think Alex is saying he wanted it to be more fast forwarded. Mm-hmm. The thing that I thought was strange is we see two dates, no kiss, no nothing, sort of awkward handshake, then a goodbye. Right. And then then they're then they go into the apartment. No, uh, no, no, like no, Reverend no, Tyler over here. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Whoa, that was whoa, whoa, stay six. No, you weren't no, watching all the dates. I, I it, was, I wanted... it was two dates. Then the, the third date, she was like, she closed the door and then immediately opened it. Was like, what was I thinking? And then it was the fourth date where it was on. But so I'm take we don't it easy. get a kiss. We go from no, from awkward handshake straight to, to no. Bed, it, there bed was a ki- there was two kisses before. Man, that's dating in the nineties. <laughs> Uh, well, and because I, I sort of agree, I found that this montage was it felt like not even just a Marvel movie. It, this felt like something out of a Hallmark movie or, or something where it was like took up so much time and it got to the point where we expected it to like she likes this guy. And then he doesn't uh, text her back after they finally sleep together. Find out at the end of the episode, it's perhaps the worst possible situation. He was uh, lying to her the whole time and is part of a, a cabal of uh, to toxic get her blood. men to uh, take her down and get her blood, um, which is uh, awful news. I feel like we could have – I was very suspicious of Josh <laughs> from the jump. Uh, but uh, the, the, this whole – the dating montage, I think, did – it took it took a long time, and honestly, the fries dipped in milkshake food truck. There are better ideas. Yeah. Oh come on, that's just a cute Jake call back to a, a date moment. I thought, what? Come on, man. It was just Don't. like like almost everything on the show is like ten to twenty percent too slow. Was my problem? Like it just needs to be paced up a little bit. Same thing with the jokes; they let them sit a little too long to the point where. They're just not that funny. But I'll give one more compliment. This is the first episode that I think used the fourth wall breaking correctly. The previously oh on. God. Yes. yes. So I there's a joke in the middle that of the episode funny. where... Previously on that guy. Dude comes in, and I will tell you honestly, my reaction was like, I don't remember who this dude is. So her having to be wait, like, wait, 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 you probably don't. Hold on. Let me finish what I'm saying. No, I'm, uh, you're missing a compliment here. He says, surf in the yurt. You know, I lost track of time. That's a great entrance line. I mean, come on. No, it wasn't. Uh, the guy comes in. <laughs> surf I didn't in the remember yurt. who he is. And uh, she says, oh, you probably don't remember who this guy is. This is what we've been, I think, talking about all along with the fourth wall breaks is in order to use them, they need to be motivated in some way. They need to actually add information to the show or the character or illuminate something. They need to actually break the format. And that's exactly what happens here. Her pointing out information, us not remembering this guy from several episodes back, or I would assume the majority of the viewing audience not remembering him, giving us something that we didn't see on the previously on and commenting on the format – it worked. That was a yeah. joke that worked. And I think, uh, you know, I don't want to give sole credit, but I imagine that's a testament to Zeb Wells, who, again, has written comics, so understands the way that She-Hulk works with this fourth wall breaking, uh, but also has written Robot Chicken and all of these things that skewer format. So I think he gets how to do that as well. Yeah, I agree. That really worked for me. Uh, let's talk about uh, Emil Blonsky a little bit here. Um, so he... We're sort of suspicious of him. His um, his uh, anklet thing that's supposed to restrict his powers wasn't working. Feels like maybe there's something there, but we don't touch on it at all this episode. And he's basically just a therapist. What happened to the soulmates? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. You know, because where did like, they the, go? The um, why did nobody? 
you know, she does walk around the island a little bit, which I thought that was a good excuse for her to kind of explore. So, because I, I wanted to know what was going on. So at I least, wanted soulmates peeking around bushes. Yeah, and yeah, like jumping what? out of trap doors. They, but so that a, I think that was a great a miscommunic opportunity. But b, um, the dude who came up there, like they make so much hay in the first act of the show, being like, that place is weird. The ranch up there is weird and we get there and it's like nope it's very normal <laughs> it's like it's palatial and like Blonsky's just like a pretty good therapist yeah that guy is also very funny you know yeah. that was another joke that really worked for me there were a lot of stuff I didn't mind the actors in the support group but I don't think they're given the best material to work with this is like I don't remember where but... I've seen this guy before but he's definitely like a comedic actor who knows how to work the stuff he's given. There's a cutaway when she hangs up on the phone. I'm forgetting exactly what he says, where he sort of is still talking and trails off. Funniest joke of the episode, probably him being like, and you know, everybody kind of ignores me. And then she just hangs up on him. Yeah. The, the, dude, the, like, the like process server dude who fixed. Yeah. Thing. His, uh, yeah, his parole great. officer. Yeah. He's, I think going to show up again and we're going to see him again at some point. So it's possible we're not done with Emil Blonsky to your point. Yeah, I got to think, and maybe that was a purposeful choice. Like the soulmates are doing something that is a little bit nefarious, and that's why he uh, the anklet. Like, let's be honest, Hulk King. We're still a pretty sure it's the leader, right? Um, who we're going to get later. It would make a lot of sense if Blonsky was tied into the leader and is maybe part of this sort of overarching. Uh, or honestly, I don't know how this would make sense, but Blonsky could be Hulk King. You know, all of that yep. intelligentsia stuff started in the series after he was released from prison. So, and he's already running a cult, essentially. So, why not? I don't know. Your it was cult. also, here, you know, just to follow this line of logic down, I did think it was a little weird that all of the, I don't know if you call them patients, but the people at the retreat, they're all male supervillains. So, if we want to follow the intelligentsia thing with the toxic masculinity thing, Maybe he's playing both sides, right? Like he's recruiting this man, telling them to be empowered with themselves, teaching them how to do it, and then they are completely following him in order to get Jen's blood for whatever reason. So maybe he can create more Hulks. Maybe he can create more She-Hulks out of the soulmates or something like that. Mm. I don't know. Do you think she's going to have to fight her therapy group? Maybe not the therapy group, but maybe, again, I'm just sort of like wildly speculating here. But since we haven't seen the leader of the show or had any mention of leader of the show, if Emil Blodsky is the big villain, he turns the soulmates into a bunch of She-Hulks. And She-Hulk in the last episode literally has to fight versions of herself. That makes that, a lot of sense. That would make a lot of sense. It would emphasize the emotional conflict. I don't know. I trust the show to go that far at this point, but. Pure speculation, I guess we'll see what happens. That's cool. Uh, and that makes me think she would almost have to beat the army of She-Hulks as Jen. Mm-hmm. Like she At would law, fight them like maybe an, and lose. Or Peter like this idea in an academic decathlon. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, first, I, I, before we're kind of uh, getting ahead of ourselves, I do want to kind of talk a little bit about some of the humor in, in case other people enjoyed it. Like some of the dialogue, like the radical accountability line, I thought was funny. Um, and, uh, you know, if you guys disagree or whatever, but I thought the freshly stacked chairs bit was funny and the fact that, that it fun. got called out. And then the fact that, like, the bull is triggered by the man at the door, I, I, I enjoyed it. I Did you like it. the mechanical bull line? 
that was later called out as being not a good joke by the star of the show. <laughs> uh, I didn't. Just to mention these names real quick in case you missed them. Uh, so we had Manball, who was played by Nathan Hurd. El Aguia, played by Joseph Castillo Midiet. Saracen, I believe. Uh, Saracen, is that you yeah. Saracen, played like by Terrence him. Clow. And uh, Porcupine, played by Jordan Aaron Ford. Um, I, I have to say, nothing against these folks. I was a little surprised that they didn't use the Marvel muscle to get like some name actors in there, specifically with Porcupine. I thought it was, yeah. I don't know. I thought he was going to take off his mask. And I know he's elsewhere in the Marvel Universe, but like a Hannibal Burris type level right. person or somebody. You're like, oh, it was him under the mask the entire time. But the actors were fine. I think they did a fine job. So yeah. it was all good. Or, and speaking creatively, I thought we'd get a little bit more of name comic book D or B list villains here. We sort of get some, um, not, these were Porcupine, obviously we know, and Saracen has maybe showed up in the comics, but Manbull and, uh, are they, I, I didn't know Elegia. I think he is from the comics. Uh, I mean, I think they're all from the comics. Manbull. I do know he showed up as like a D-list villain. It was very surprising to me. Yeah, they're all Pete the characterized them as B-list. That's really giving them an upgrade there. Well, but, I think for the bit that they used them for, you need a, a lower tier kind of thing just because. Oh, know, definitely. But yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it, man. And I, you know, and the fact of in the nice credits at the end there, uh, where the they do the nice uh, color paintings, you got to see Porcupine taking the you know to the cleaners. So some real, yeah, yeah. Did you guys pick up the Easter egg of the tow truck driver who is credited as tow truck guy in the credits, played by a guy named David R. Sardi? But his company was the Slot Towing Company after oh, okay. Dan Slot, who wrote nice. a ton of She Hulk comics. And I believe I couldn't quite tell. I tried to pause it on it, but I believe. The name tag said Danny, not Dan. Uh, uh, so, you know, contractually, they can get away with that and they don't have to pay Dan any money. <laughs> appearing. Oh, man. The actual comic book writer Dan mm-hmm. Slott uh, also being a That driver. would have been great if they panned over and Dan Slott was driving. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. You know, I think we did it. I think we covered it. Any I, other notes from the episode you want to mention? Yeah, people? I also really liked the part where it was like, what was the last text you sent? And then they were like, what did you do? I thought that was a fun, like, we're all kind of like, yeah, that was the last text, but it turns out it wasn't. Not, not to go in the other direction, but all of that stuff was my least favorite just because, again, I don't think they went this far, but it definitely had the characterization of a improv scene from like 20 years ago where people were like, yeah. it's funny because they're like kind of being gay a little bit with each other and they're acting kind of like gay men, but they're straight. Don't even worry about it. No, I was talking about the text. I wasn't talking about that bit. I agree thing. with you on like, that. There, there was that with the man bull and Elegia thing a little bit, which was too much. Right. And then also, yeah, with the text thing, it, like it wasn't, that was the part to me that wasn't playing the supervillain of it all. And I what guess you, I appreciated... What do you mean? They were in a trust circle. What are you talking about? The supervillain? No, I know. But I appreciated the fact that be... we kept very focused on this retreat and this thing. But that whole sequence, you could have cut like at least five minutes out of it and punched right. it up no, a little bit. No, that was fun. I was having fun in the group. 
Well, and don't I, cut I, I the group out. The fun, the the premise there was fun, but I agree with you, Alex. I wanted it to be. They were already too far along in their their progress toward being like open villains. Like if they were worse at it and were making breakthroughs in the moment. That would have been super fun if you had a bunch Porcupine of like. Porcupine took his mask off for the first time. We talking about breakthrough moment. He had uh, a huge breakthrough. He did. He did. But the whole time, all of them were like, "Jen, you need to really open up because that's what you do." When I expected, I wanted hard, hard nosed supervillains who are like, "Open up! I need to open up my uh, plasma gun because I'm the plasminator." And then later for him to be like, "I'm going to give a uh, semi random reference, but I do think it's the exact same thing. I don't know if you guys have seen Wreck It Ralph, but there's a mm. villain support group yes. towards the beginning there with uh, with uh, video game villains, which is great. Yeah, completely gets to that. And each of them, this gets back to what we've been talking about a lot. Each of them has a very specific character game, and I do think these guys had some uh, character games, but they weren't quite as specific as they want. And maybe the point that you're making here, Justin, is that they were already past those character games for the most part and onto just being generic guys in a support group right. versus I want to see Porcupine in a score group. I think Saracen. Like Saracen, like he, he's a guy who isn't a vampire, but wants to be. I wanted him to be like, and I drink blood. And then he's like, Actually, it's pretty gross when you drink it. So, like, I want, like, I have the vibe, uh, there, but I. There was some it. joke that he had, and I know we're trying to plus up the jokes here. We do this every episode, and it's probably very annoying to people to hear. Yeah. But he has some joke where he's like, uh, I'm forgetting the word he actually uses, but it's something where he's like, uh, and I'm very happy for you and thirsty. And it should have been the other way around. It should be like, I'm very, this is making me very thirsty. I mean, happy, you know? Well, like, yeah, either way, the, the, I liked the, what happened after that, where he was like, oh, I, I've gone off the rail here, guys, bail me out. Someone bail me out. And then someone right. else started That's talking. Fun. I thought that was a fun bit. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I spent a lot of time watching the show, wonder what went on behind the scenes in terms of like budget and setting and everything like that, because things like this made me think, they had a short amount of time to film exteriors on whatever this location is and then had to move everything into this retreat group because ultimately having a half a day there, keep coming back to that support group over the course of a couple of days yeah, yeah. where like she leaves, talks, some other things happen, they come back. But instead we spend, I don't know, I didn't time it, like 15, 20 minutes, maybe a couple of hours, whatever it is. It certainly felt like that in this room. They could have shaken it up a little bit. Well, <laughs> agree to disagree, I guess. Let's yep. go to the vision board and talk about what we want to see coming next on the show. Pete, let's go to you first. What's on your vision board? Well, uh, first off, uh, I think that uh, we got to, you know, find out what this blood's being used for. I'd like to see maybe like a, what's going on in this, you know, the Hulk King uh, kind of supervillain layer, what's going on over there, uh, you know, and, um, you know, more time with her friends and more lawyering fun. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like just kind of moving it forward. But the last couple episodes have been solid and uh, I'm sorry you guys don't think so. Well, um I really like your theory, Alex, about sort of where we're headed from a superhero, supervillain standpoint, uh, where Blonsky is the Hulk king. I also think the leader could definitely do that. From a just 
uh, She-Hulk perspective, though, I want her to take more power and more control of her own story in this show. I mentioned this last episode. In this episode, um, she makes some steps uh, forward. She seems happy with Josh, but then she's just waiting all episode for a text from this guy who sucks. So, like, that's not a very powerful position for our lead, our main character to but be then in. she deletes it, deletes it. She deletes it at the end. Uh, but I, I just want her to really just, rise Just to up. clarify, he can still call, and she can still answer, and she can still get the text. She didn't block him. She just deleted his number. She just deleted his number. Yeah, that's how phones work. Interesting. Yeah. I've never deleted a phone number. I've never mm-hmm. deleted a person. From Come right life. back. Anytime. I... Uh, I would like to see more. I think Pete touched on this, but I'd like to see more of the supporting cast. I felt, even though I, I haven't loved them necessarily, I like the actors. And it felt like seven episodes in for them to be almost entirely off screen, except for we saw Nikki a little bit in this episode, was a missed opportunity because we still don't know who these characters are or what they want or what their lives are like separate from or supporting She-Hulk. So I assume we'll get more now that she's going to be back in L.A. for the next episode. I want to see this rocking and rolling like they have the pieces in place. Potentially, let's have a absolutely killer last two episodes. Nothing can make me happier. Yeah, 100 percent. Give me in that sweat. You're I want in. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to talk to you about She-Hulk. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the <laughs> app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. Keep surfing the yurt. Princess Feather Chicken for life. Oh.